0: Thank you for listening to The Voices of UMass Chan, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of UMass Chan Medical School.
1: Thanks for listening to The Voices of UMass Chan. I'm your host, Jennifer Berryman, Vice Chancellor for Communications here at UMass Chan Medical School. There is promising research underway to combat one of the most common infectious causes of birth defects. UMass Chan researcher Dr. Laura Gibson is collaborating with Moderna to study congenital cytomegalovirus infection or CMV. That's a tongue twister, Dr. Gibson, but welcome and thank you for making time to talk to us.
0: Thank you. I'm really excited to be here.
1: So this partnership between UMass Chan and Moderna, of course, Moderna you know rose to prominence um, making the COVID vaccines. But now you're working with them to study CMV transmission in young children. So we're going to talk all about that. But if we could just start by having you tell us what is
0: CMV? CMV is a very common virus uh, in. In the community, it's one of the viruses in the larger family called herpes viruses. So, some other viruses in that family include chickenpox, cold sores, um, genital herpes. You know, shingles, which is which comes from chickenpox. And the other characteristic about all of the the viruses in this family is that um, they live with us for life. So that's why we get cold sores over time. That's why shingles might happen to some people who have had chicken pox is that the viruses live with us for life so c m v is can even be one of the causes of mono, which is uh another common infection that uh, people may be aware of. so very common virus.
1: So how is it spread?
0: It's spread through uh contact with body fluids that contain virus. People who get this virus for the first time may be sick from it. I gave the example of mono. They can have fever, um, sort of fatigue, and various symptoms of mono. Uh, but some people may have no, no symptoms at all. So, so that varies quite a bit between individuals. Since the virus's intention is to pass on to the next host, There is usually a lot of virus in body fluids like saliva or urine, very little in blood, relatively little in vaginal fluid or semen. So CMV could could actually be a sexually transmitted infection, but most of the virus is in saliva and urine. And so even people who feel well or after they're sick and have gotten better, there can be still a lot of virus in the urine and saliva. And so contact with those body fluids between people um, is the way the virus spreads. You know, for mono, as an example, that's caused by most commonly Epstein-Barr virus, which is in the same family uh, as CMV. It's that mono is often called the kissing disease because there's a lot of virus in the saliva. So it's the same for CMV, where there's a lot of virus and it can be spread that way.
1: So I was, in preparing for this conversation, was surprised to learn just how common cytomegalovirus is. So can you tell us about that and who is most at risk?
0: Most of us have had CMV at some point in our lives, all the way back to childhood, by the time we are older adults, 70, 80 years old. In some studies, thats sixty to seventy percent, some studies it's eighty percent, but most of us, certainly most of us by older age. As I said, those infections can be very mild. They can be they can have no symptoms at all. And although this is being studied by by many groups, CMV doesn't necessarily have any any negative effects over our lifetime. Um, even though it's the virus is living with us. But um, in some situations, the virus uh, can cause very severe disease and even death. So in general, those are individuals with a low immune system. For adults, that might be a, a person with a solid organ like a liver or kidney transplant, or it might be someone with a a stem cell transplant where their immune system is low. We certainly treat some of those individuals for cytomegalovirus fairly commonly. For children, they, like everybody else, uh, can get the virus in childhood and they may or may not get sick. Children tend to have a lot of virus for a very long time in the saliva and urine, even though they appear quite well. And and this this virus is not a major health risk for for children, except in the in the situation where uh, during pregnancy, where the fetus is infected with CMV, and the uh, an infant can be born with what we call congenital CMV. Congenital means um, an infection acquired before birth. So CMV, if it's acquired before birth during during gestation, the infection can be very severe. This is the particular population I'm, I'm interested in studying.
1: Well, that's the perfect way to transition to the current work that you're doing. Um, it was about a year ago that UMass Chan announced a research collaboration with Moderna, and specifically you're studying how CMV is transmitted in group childcare and early childhood education settings. Can you just tell us about the study?
0: So Moderna for many years has had a a CMV vaccine platform well before the pandemic, and I've worked with them on their scientific advisory board for that platform for many years. It's important to understand one of the major risk factors for congenital CMV is when a pregnant individual is exposed to the body fluids of young infants and toddlers who have recently had CMV. So as I said, they may be sick with a fever, but not much else. They may not be sick at all, but they have very large amounts of virus, particularly in the saliva for very long periods of time. Could be months, so way longer than um, than in adults, if, if they get the infection for the first time. So um A colleague of mine, Dr. Stuart Adler, way back in the 80s and 90s, had an incredible network of daycare centers uh, where he studied the epidemiology, the transmission of CMV between children in daycare and between uh, those children and usually their mothers, but but their pregnant caretakers. And he was really among the first to describe the epidemiology and and the risk factor for for having an infant born with CMV is a um, is exposure to a young child, an infant or a toddler who attends large group daycare, because in in these childcare environments, CMV like many other pathogens go around the kids uh, when they're in large groups. They share toys and and play together and and we know that they share many, many infectious diseases at, at daycare. So this is one of, CMV is one of them. And uh, they may not be sick, but they have large amounts of virus in their saliva or urine. So a person who's pregnant and caring for them can be exposed to the virus, for example, changing diapers or, um, or feeding them or uh, depending on the the caretaker, if it's a parent at home, sharing food, sharing towels, um, really any way that anyone can be exposed to the body fluids of a toddler. And so it was Dr. Adler, among others, who described this risk factor of exposure to young children in group group care settings. Typically, a mother uh, with a toddler at home who's pregnant with her second child. That's sort of the textbook situation where the textbook high risk for that woman having a child with congenital CMV is when she's pregnant with her second child and has a toddler at home who attends daycare. And so there are many, many groups studying uh, pregnant women, studying infants with congenital CMV, but really um, since, Dr Adler has retired really no no other groups looking at that risk factor at modifying that risk factor of exposure to young children in childcare settings to understand how we might modify that risk factor by reducing the amount of virus in these kids body fluids or the the duration of time that they are shedding the virus and so that's the population we're focusing on.
1: And so, how exactly are you going about, you know, determining how much virus is present in these settings, and, and what's the study? Um, what are the steps that you're undertaking as part of the study?
0: Yeah. So the the studies called the immune, the CMV immune transmission and uh, immune tracking study, or CMV transmit. And what we're doing in the first stage is enrolling children in uh, early education and care centers, obtaining a saliva sample, and doing a CMV PCR assay. Uh, people might be familiar with that process of testing the saliva um, for, for SARS CoV 2. We're going to start by just seeing how many children in each center have the virus in their saliva. So we'll get some preliminary information and we'll also collect uh, a lot of information through through a questionnaire. Most of this first stage will uh, be focused on engaging and building relationships with these early education and care centers to work with them on the research project. Um, We're also developing a community advisory board, data infrastructure for for the study and some other things. In the second stage of the study, we will be enrolling not only children in the centers, but their household members, uh, collecting more types of samples, saliva, urine, and blood over several time points, and doing a variety of of studies in the laboratory about, about the virus itself and about the participants' immune responses to the virus. To understand how the virus transmits between these uh, individuals and to try and figure out whether particular features of the virus or particular features of the immune system of people with the infection can can reduce the amount or duration of a virus in the urine. So the goal is to try and, as I said, reduce the the risk factor that um, is a major one for, for congenital CMB.
1: And so um, you're talking about enrolling uh, families at this point, children obviously with their parents' consent into this uh, research. Geographically speaking, are there certain communities that you're focusing on where you are hoping to enroll patients?
0: Yes, we're focusing on the the Worcester area, certainly my team and is based at UMass and we're running the running the study. We We also wanted um, a second site and um, decided on Cambridge partly as a smaller, a bit smaller community than Boston and uh, with moderna's uh, headquarters in Cambridge and 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 presence in the community. So we've we've chosen these two, locations, it, it it would take quite a while to replicate the network that Dr. Adler had years ago of more than 40 daycare centers in his early studies. But we're hoping to, you know, start in these two cities and expand in the future to additional areas of, of the state or even the country.
1: All right. So I'm curious uh, when enrollment starts and if I'm a mom or a dad listening to this and I'm interested in participating or maybe my child is in early education or daycare in the Worcester area or Cambridge, how can I learn
0: more? We're hoping that enrollment starts in the next few months. Parents can, can get involved. If their center, if a family's child care center where where their child or children attend is interested or we reach out to them, the center can join the project. If a family or parents see that their center is um, not aware or has not been approached to join the project, they can encourage their, their child care center to contact the study or let us know that their center might be interested and in, and we would contact the study. So we're not enrolling individuals from the community, we're enrolling only through those early education and care centers.
1: Okay, that's a good point to make. And we will of course include some information including the study website in the podcast show notes for this episode. But uh, just to clarify, uh, it's spring of 2023 sounds like, uh, the general time frame when enrollment will begin. Yep, that's right. Terrific. Well, good luck with that. Um, before we let you go, I'm just um, curious if you can tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved in this particular field of study and expertise uh, regarding CMV. I
0: went into medical school and, and continued uh, through medical school to be very, very interested in the immune system and in infectious disease. So I also wanted to understand how infectious disease is presented at all um, ages. So that's uh, one of the reasons I had training in both medicine and pediatrics before my ID fellowship. What's fascinating to me about the, the herpes virus family is not only that they live with us for life, but they, particularly CMV, cause such a wide range of, of clinical syndromes in all ages of individuals and interact over our whole lifetime with our immune system. So these viruses live with us for life, but most of us never know that because our immune systems keep them in check for our entire lives and how that Interaction between the virus and our immune system, uh, how that relationship works, has just been incredibly fascinating to me over the years. So, so since CMV causes disease in adults with a low immune system, or in you know the fetus and newborn, it it was a a perfect pathogen to study um, in these different populations.
1: And I should know this, but uh, is CMV something that most people get vaccinated against, or is no? There's
0: no, uh, there's no CMV vaccine. There's no standard treatment for pregnant individuals with CMV. There's no screening for CMV in pregnancy, which is appropriate given our given a variety of reasons, especially that the testing isn't always clear. There are drugs we can use in people who are not pregnant to treat CMV, but but really there's there's no theme for prevention. Certainly there have been several studies highlighting that behaviors to reduce um, exposure to body fluids of children in pregnancy are very effective in reducing transmission from children to pregnant adults, such as not sharing Food, utensils, cups, towels—that kind of thing. Not kissing children on the mouth, but you know, kissing on the head or the shoulder, or or giving hugs or something that does not involve exposure to saliva. With diaper changes, you know, being sure to wash wash hands with soap and water for at least thirty seconds. We're familiar with hand washing, and even wearing gloves. And these are all measures to just reduce exposure these body fluids that have a lot of virus um, in them, mainly in children.
1: Well, thank you for such valuable information. And uh, we wish you good luck with enrollment and with the study. And we look forward to hearing what you learn. Great. Thanks for having me, Jen. All right. Thanks. Thanks again. We hope that you won't miss an episode of the Voices of UMass Chan, so make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And if you have an idea for a future podcast episode, email us at Communications at umassmed.edu.
0: Follow us at UMass Chan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. On YouTube, find us at UMass Chan Medical School.